The highways and byways of Australia are littered with memorials to the dead and maimed. Neat, polished black crosses erected by the roads department. Framed pictures placed by loved ones. Fresh flowers, plastic flowers, wilted flowers, faded blooms. The occasional stubby, a roadside drink in honour of a fallen friend. These are monuments to the human road toll. When an animal dies, it leaves its own memorial, a dried patch of skin and bone, and no one stops to offer a silent prayer for a single victim of the night, or to the hundreds of thousands, millions, that have left their mark before them. More animals die per kilometre on Tasmanian roads than anywhere else in the world. My name's Anne Jones and this is Off Track on RN. The roads in Tasmania, right beside them in the verges, with a dribble of blood and a puff of feathers. This episode, we're looking at Tasmania's roadkill issue. Don Nola. The scale of roadkill in Tasmania is just colossal. I mean, you're talking about possibly 300,000 animals killed every um, every year. That's a conservative estimate. The figure is actually by some organisations like um, Animals Tasmania put the figure as high as half a million animals die on Tasmanian roads. And it could be even higher because that doesn't take into account animals that are just winged on the road and hop off or crawl away into the bush and die. We only count animals we actually see physically dead on the road. Also, it doesn't take into account uh, pouched animals. If you think a, a roadkill in, in summer, you know, 50% of animals that, that might be seen dead on the roads might be carrying young. So the figure could be way beyond, way beyond half a million animals. And it is, it's an incredible figure that has given Tasmania the name of the roadkill capital of the world. Don Nola's recent book, Riding the Devil's Highway, looks into the roadkill issue in Tasmania, and I've come to the island state to interview him. I land in at Hobart late in the afternoon and I jump in a hire car that I'll use to get around recording stories for off-track all over the island, and I decide to start a tally of the roadkill that I observe, and it's only minutes minutes before I add the first mark to paper. It's a full-grown wallaby of some description. Its tail is spread towards incoming traffic in a manner that a live animal would never, ever expose itself, and its head is whipped back in a really uncomfortable angle. And I can see its great, flat back feet slumped. I can see that texture on its pads, and I realise that I've never seen the bottom of a live wallaby's feet. One. Well, when I first came to Tasmania, I came to Devonport and I got a bus down to Hobart and I was staggered by the amount of roadkill. What was even more surprising was the bus driver was giving a little commentary and pointing out the roadkill and telling visitors to look out for Tasmanian devils. So that was my sort of wildlife introduction to the animal species of Tasmania. I just joined the Hobart Mercury as a journalist and I started writing a column on birdwatching. And I, I went to a conference to promote wildlife tourism. And um, at that conference, a wildlife biologist, Nick Mooney, um, started talking about the glass bottom bus tour. 
And I thought, what is this about? And he explained it to all these shocked delegates from all over the country. And he said that there was so much wildlife on Tasmanian roads that he had come up with this idea of a bus with a glass bottom base to it so all the tourists could get on the bus and they could just go along and observe roadkill like that. And in fact, roadkill is a little bit of a joke. I mean, um, Tasmanians are inured to roadkill. They see it every day and they just get used to it. And they make jokes about it. I mean, people here don't talk about a platypus, they talk about a splatypus. And a lot of Tasmanians regard roadkill as a system of culling. Well, animals have to be culled, I, I accept that, but there are ways of doing it. And just to regard the death of an animal on the road, it could die in the most terrible circumstances. Hardly any of them actually die cleanly. They're left just to die in absolute agony, and it's just appalling what happens to these creatures. And I don't think that's an acceptable way of culling wildlife. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Across a causeway near Hobart, a gorgeous silver gull waves at me. Its skull is melded to the tarmac. Its wing, lighter than a leaf in the autumn, blusters backwards and forwards in the wind. It's almost lifelike, but it's horrifying. In the course of writing, you know, a book on the subject, Riding the Devil's Highway, it led me to researchers who had actually looked at the issue, one of them being a, a marine biologist, actually. His name is Alistair Hobday. As a research scientist, I would not receive a permit to kill animals for research by running them over. So for society to argue that it's just a way of culling animals, it's not a way that we would accept in agriculture, it's not a way that we would accept in research. Um, I don't think we should accept it as a public way of dealing with a high density of animals in some locations. My day job is as a tuna biologist. When we go to sea, we take a GPS with us that lets us record where we're tagging fish. Working with a group of engineers, I got them to modify that for my vehicle. And by driving around the state as I um, went bushwalking or to meetings, I would just record the roadkill that I saw. And over about a four-year period and some 15,000 kilometres, collected a tremendous data set for understanding the pattern of roadkill in Tasmania. So there is a pattern? A very clear one. For example, at the end of summer, the road is contains a lot of water on the verges, there's a lot of green grass growing, and animals that are dispersing as young are attracted to roads, and um, due to extra traffic with holidays and so on, that's when we see peaks in roadkill. In space, there are hot spots, there are places on the road where animals cross frequently, where creek lines cross roads or where ridge lines come to a road. In Tasmania, what do you most see as roadkill on the road? The most common animal is a brush-tailed possum, followed by a paddy melon, um, two animals that are very common in Tasmania, and then there are other species in the top ten, such as the unique Tasmanian devil. Things like owls and eagles are occasionally um, hit by vehicles as they scavenge from the road. Um, forest ravens are another one that are commonly foraging by the side of the road. And in the case of those birds, they typically get, ca get caught in the draft of passing vehicles and sucked in and crushed on the road rather than hit directly. Hello, duck. Hello, duck. Hello, duck. I see a Tasmanian native hen, which sort of looks like a moorhen, but this one is different. This species is endemic to Tasmania. It's only found here. It's flightless, and the locals call them turbo chickens because they sprint at great speed across the grass. But this one's speed was no match for a car. 
Instead, its head and shoulders are completely squashed, pinned to the tarmac. Its grey claws are curling, no longer in contact with the earth. According to the research, most Tasmanians can expect to hit at least one animal per year. Also, there's, there's a monetary value in being aware of roadkill is that it can be quite damaging to your car. Roadkill costs the motor insurance industry $5 million a year in Tasmania. That's a figure I've dredged up. How accurate that is, I don't know, but that's a thing. That actually came from the RACT, and that's, I think, quite a conservative figure, actually. Uh, in some degree, Tasmanians are lucky because the, most of the animals are fairly small, so the chance is that you'll do more, more damage to your animal than you will to your car. In places like Sweden and um, Canada, some of the animals that are being hit on roads actually will do more damage to the person and the vehicle than they will to the animal. Things like moose, bear, elk. In the Northern Hemisphere, you know, learning to drive around wildlife is an explicit part of driver training. Whereas in Tasmania and I think other Australian states, learning how to drive around wildlife on the roads is not even discussed in the driver training manuals. A lot of people benefit from roadkill. I'd say most farmers in Tasmania use roadkill to, to feed their dogs. You know, certainly the ones I know, certainly the, the farms I've stayed on, even some of the wildlife carers who deal with raptors, uh, they collect roadkill, under licence, of course, to feed their, the animals in their care. The road to uh, roadkill research in Tasmania is paved with irony. The term roadkill doesn't quite describe what happens to these animals because it sounds a little bit too clinical. Often, it's not a clean hit. Um, when an animal's hit by a vehicle, not all of them die. Um, they may suffer broken limbs, they may suffer shock or concussions in the same way as people do, and then you've got an animal wandering off into the bush to die later or carry that injury for a very long time. And that's why I think Tasmania has also recognised the need for a carer network, and that involves people who find injured wildlife or the mother has been killed and there's a pouch young um, who get involved with doing the rearing and the caring for those animals. This year we'll probably hit about 8,000 calls. Greg Irons runs Bonnarong Wildlife Sanctuary just outside Hobart and he also mans the emergency hotline. And he shows me an enclosure where a devil ambles out to say hello when it hears the sound of his voice. They're a fantastic animal to do what we call education by stealth. You know, you get people's attention with the Tassie devil and then we can educate about so many other animals. Uh, using the devil is just a fantastic example. She's gorgeous. What people also might not realise is how small they are. They're probably, what, I don't know, Jack Russell size. Yeah, little fellas. Right. I, I call them miniature staffies on steroids, really, is a great way to put it. And she's not only low to the ground, she's also dark in colouring. One of Alastair Hobday's experiments involved trying to figure out how far away animals could be seen in headlights. So he busted out some stuffed specimens from the museum and he put them out along an abandoned road, then got volunteers to drive along that road and note when they first saw the specimens. Animals that were close to the ground and animals that had dark pelts that would not reflect the light back to the drivers weren't seen easily. And as a side note, most Tasmanian species are darker and more furry than their mainland equivalents. Take the patamelon. It's a dark, furry, squat little animal with a basketball-shaped bum. And with the lights on low beam, you won't see it until you're 30 metres away. That's too close to safely stop. 
and your reaction time when you're driving at 100 kilometres an hour is such that you probably need 60 to 80 metres to stop the vehicle if you were to avoid a, avoid a collision with an animal. If you're travelling at 50 to 60 kilometres an hour, your stopping distance is somewhere between 30 to 40 metres. It makes a difference because at night you have the ability to see animals at different distances ahead of you. And if you're travelling at a very fast speed at night, you simply won't have enough time to detect an animal and react before you hit it. The thing with the devils is that they actually come to the road because of roadkill, because a patamelon or a wallaby or a possum or whatever has been hit and the devil is a meat scavenger. So they'll be busily chowing down on some poor deceased soul that's been left in the middle of a road with their head buried in muck and they don't hear you coming until it's too late. If we leave this food in the middle of the roads, that is just a death sentence for the carnivores. So, you know, in some areas, it's their number one food source, these carnivores, is roadkill. You know, it's a really key message. There's nothing sadder than seeing a dead carnivore next to another bit of roadkill. When we know if someone had just removed that roadkill as far from the road as they could, uh, not only would the uh, carnivore not have been killed, but you probably would have provided them a feed as well. What was that, a rabbit? A 55. What I have seen through my research is that animals like wombats and devils are typically removed from the roads very quickly after they're hit, and that indicates society cares about those and wants to move them off the road. Animals like brush-tailed possums and rabbits and wallabies are often left on the road for weeks at a time, and that suggests that the public doesn't care very much about those types of animals. On RN, you're listening to Off Track, and my name is Anne Jones. On average, every hour in Tasmania, 32 animals are killed on the roads. And one of the animals that's in the headlines is the Tasmanian devil. Dr David Pemberton is the program manager of the government-run Save the Tasmanian Devil program. So turn that phone off. (laughs) I've left this one on because this is actually the roadkill hotline. So that's the devil hotline. The devil hotline, yeah. Okay, we're turning on to Howden Road, south of Hobart. It's uh, it's probably the closest reserve to Hobart, Peter Murrell Reserve, so it's an interesting place for roadkill. This spot we've just gone past had two paddy melons run over on the weekend. Um, This is a hot spot, this sort of zone. You have water on that side, you have cars turning, so somebody coming at speed, like that hoon would have with the burnt tyres. The, the animals don't see them or hear the lights because of the corner, at first, so they get clipped as they come around the corner. Same going the other way, hence those two paddy melons we saw. A lot of roadkill you never find in. A friend of mine who does a lot of this says, if you want to see every animal that's dead next to the road, it takes four drive bars or you've got to walk it. Now it's quite hard to find them, so you know they could be dead in the grass there. Or they've wandered off and you never find them. Yeah. In, in your experience in this sort of work, having, having the devil phone as well, yeah. are these animals dying on impact? No, there's a mixture. Sadly, we had to deal recently, the concerned person rings in, they've found a devil um, on the side of the road, out of town, quite far away, so it's hard for us to get to it, and it's got a busted back and it's still alive. That devil had been there probably 12 hours. Yeah, so there's a lot of sad suffering that comes out of it. I recently had to kill a Bennett's wallaby that's leg was completely snapped. It's lying next to the road in the country and it would have been there 
the whole day this was in the evening and people had just been driving past it was pretty sad and that one was jammed up against the stock proof fence here native animals are protected that's right why is this acceptable I don't think we accept it. We try to do something about it, but there's also a um, a kind of getting used to it. The Tasmanians see a lot of road kills, so we know it's an issue, but we also get numb to it. Sadly, there's also those that say, well, a lot of road kills means there's a lot of animals, so what's the problem? I can understand that at a species conservation point of view that often it's not the issue about the species conservation but at an individual point of view it's definitely a welfare issue. Something like the devil now that across most of its range there's only say 10 to 15 percent of the devils left then roadkill becomes your key threatening process. So you've got to be smart with threatened species because the key threatening process changes as the density changes. So I've no doubt that in a lot of areas, roadkill is killing more devils than terrible disease, facial tumour disease. And we've actually measured this in a couple of areas and roadkill is up there as, as a killer. You might have 20 devils left in the Wukalina National Park. Of those 20, probably three or four are mums that can breed and survive disease. Therefore, the population persists. So if roadkill kills two of those mums, you've then halved the productivity then it's a re- that's when it's a real issue. So we recently had some releases of devils who had been immunised against the facial tumour disease. At least four have met an untimely death on the that's roads right. within a week of being released. So can you tell me about the decision making that went into where they were going to be released? So we decided to release them in the, that mob into Norantapu National Park in the north and part of the reasoning was roadkill because the park speed is controlled, it's patrolled, it has speed humps so there's very little roadkill in the park so we knew that putting them in there the key was to try and hold them in the park it's what we call dampening dispersal and there's many reasons for that but partly one of the reasons is to keep them away from roadkill problems now unfortunately we're learning it's the first time we've done this into the real wilds of Tasmania but clearly in this case, two animals had a fright and flight response. They ran because they weren't comfortable where they were and they got hit a day and two days later quite close to each other. Those animals, I think, just were not going to settle down where they were and they bolted. The other two are sadder than that in that they had stayed in the park and they had responded to our dampening dispersal method, which is to put their scat in the park from captivity and the wild devils scat into captivity to introduce them to each other and those two devils had visited the latrines where we had manipulated scat repetitively up to five times and by the end of that week we thought yes that, that this is, they were actually good examples of how this might be working and then they went for which was probably an exploration trip they went to have a look around they were only 10 k's away the devil does that in a couple of hours three or four hours definitely. So I think they just went exploring and might well have been coming back to the park. To be clear, how much work had been invested in these individuals? Um, They'd been immunised for six months, they had been fed and cared for for two or three years. A lot of work. Um, I don't think any of this will ever be easy, but we certainly mustn't be paralysed by the fear of failure. But these, you know, 
obviously they were special animals who are out on a, on a trial and with the hope that we might be able to stop the facial tumour. But in another sense, they're just like the thousands of other animals that have been hit on the roads already this year. Yes, but they're also a flagship for them. If there's any goodness to come out of their deaths, it's that it's highlighted roadkill is a major issue, especially for threatened species in Tasmania. I drive around a rising curve on a road that's relatively wide. There's a lane each way, and there they are. Three of them. Possums. As fluffy as a pet cat. As tiny as a scruffy terrier, smashed to the ground next to each other. Did these get hit in one go? Did one get hit and then the other came out to investigate its den mate? Did they come out of that old tree just over there and not make it more than 20 metres that night? Now, their fur takes on that dull look in the wind, not the gloss of life, the immediate brittleness of death. One of the bodies is twisted. Its face is looking towards me with its arms stretched out and its mouth open. And as I move past it, even at speed, I can see its tiny infant-like hands curled uselessly around air. It's dead. Alexander Hobday's research estimates that 108,543 individual brush-tailed possums are killed on Tasmanian roads every year. For me, it's number 87, 88 and 89. Greg Irons. What I call uh, the the case in Tasmania is, is the Ferrari scenario. So if someone grows up with 10 Ferraris in their garage and then they see a Ferrari driving down the road, they don't bat an eyelid because they've seen them so many times. Everyone else goes, wow, look at Ferrari. And this is the exact same situation is we've grown up with these animals around us our whole lives. So, you know, there's no need for people to appreciate it because they've just always been there. Whereas the tourists come down and go, this is unbelievable. You know, I think we want to become a state where our animals that are uniquely here, there are wine labels named after them and restaurants named after them and you get off the plane or off the spirit and you're given a pamphlet about how to look after these animals and where to see them in the wild. Um, what we've got here is so unique. We're, we're the ark of Australian wildlife and we need to be proud of that and then we need to respect it by changing our behaviours. There is no field guide for this. A smear of black with a patch of fur and bone, desiccated and flattened beyond any form previously known to man. It's all that's left of a something. It was something. Back in the car with David Pemberton. What are the mitigation strategies that you have in place for devils in and roadkill in, in Tasmania? At this stage we only have three tools, public education, road signage and what we call rumble strips so they solid strips across the road that make extra noise those are the three tools now they they do work for for good people the good person driving down a road that sees signage that drives over a rumble strip goes okay i'll get the message i better slow down it doesn't work for people in a hurry so we're trialing things called virtual fences which are electronic devices that are triggered by the car. So where we're driving now, there's a raven eating a paddy melon roadkill. We've got a spot around the corner. We might trigger a beam here and we make noise and sound around the corner. 
so that the animals around the corner are notified of the car arriving. These work well in Europe. We've yet to verify them here, but it's po- it's pretty promising. So, so it sort of like rings a doorbell yep. that alerts the animal yep. that danger so is approaching. Have, yeah, we have posts all the way down the road around the corners. Oh my God, that was an echidna. 93. People might choose to fit things like whistles to their car that supposedly alert animals. The evidence is that those don't particularly alert animals, but they do remind the driver that they care about wildlife and driver behaviour is modified as a result of putting a whistle on your car. Likewise, people who put a bumper sticker on their car have been shown to have less roadkill than people who don't. Now, what does a bumper sticker do? Nothing except it reminds the driver every time they get in the car, there's animals on the road and that typically leads to a modification of human behaviour. Driving speed is key to avoiding the accidents. Slower speeds means more time to react for both you and the animals, especially at hotspots. At these particular critical locations and when um, animals are moving about at dawn and dusk, slowing your speed is really the most practical way to avoid damage to your vehicle, risk of running off the road yourself and ultimately killing an animal. Alastair Hobday has built a website which indicates where the roadkill hotspots are in Tasmania. One feature is that you can download a file to put on your GPS in your vehicle that will then give you an alert when you get to within a, you know, a kilometre of a roadkill hotspot. We're trying to get hire car companies to also include this information on their sat-navs and GPS devices in cars so that even visitors tas- to Tasmania will be aware of these roadkill hotspots. If people just observe speed limits in these roadkill hotspots, research has shown that the, the toll could be reduced by 50%. At least we would be making an effort Morally, it's, I think it's pretty, pretty crucial, actually. There's a dark line. There's a trail of guts and blood and useless back legs before it dies in line of sight from its companions. What were the last moments of this wallaby's life like? 147. You, you would not want to see your dog or cat treated that way. No. And these, you know, people care about animals. Um, many people care about native animals. I'd like to see that, um, that fraction of the population increase a lot. We have a whole range of standards that we apply to wildlife. At the moment, Australia's looking at closing down fisheries that are catching um, up to a dozen dolphins um, a year at the moment. Um, we don't shut down a road every time a log truck strikes a Tasmanian devil. And that's interesting, isn't it? How we might give certain values to certain lives within our spheres of influence that we might push for or against live export or for or against greyhound racing or in the car we might obey school zones or hospital zones or work zones, but what about animal crossings? Why do they remain sometimes unmarked and largely ignored? Nola's book is called Riding the Devil's Highway and Alastair Hobday's website with the black spot information is called roadkilltaz.com. Greg Irons answers the emergency phone and cares for the injured at Bonnarong and David Pemberton continues to work towards the reintroduction of devils into Tasmania. 
And how many animals did I see on my trip around Tasmania collecting stories for Off Track? 178 animals or bits of fur or feather. An average of one animal every three kilometres. I mourned every one of them. On RN, you've been listening to Off Track. I'm Ann Jones, and next week, I'll be right here, ready to take you somewhere else.